0: Um, what are your neighbors like? Um, If, like, for most of us, you probably say, well, i got a really variety of neighbors. And most of us probably have a few quirky neighbors, and by neighbors, you know we've been talking about this. It's not just our physical neighborhood, but it's also um, maybe the neighbors at work that we work with. Maybe it's some of the people we play ball with. Or maybe some of the parents that our kids play ball with, and they're always in the stands. And there's all kinds of neighbors at that point, quirky neighbors sometimes. Some we probably wish would move away. But I have an interesting thing, and that is that God knows all of your neighbors. Um, Really, He does. Even the ones you'd rather not know, uh, He knows them. I mean, He's God, after all. But the amazing thing in all of this isn't just that he knows them, it's that he likes them. He cares about them. Even the ones that drive you nuts, even the ones you wish would move away, God actually cares about them. There's an obvious reason I can say that, and that's in John 3.16, where we all know that verse, or most of us know that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son well that neighbor that drives you nuts that co-worker that person on the ball team or the parents of the kid on the ball team are included in that parentheses the world god loved them that much that he gave his son for them that's why i say that god cares In fact, God cares so much, that's why Christ came to earth. And and that's why in Matthew 22, oftentimes it's called the Great Commandment. Remember, Jesus is asked that question in Matthew 22, what's the most important thing for God? But I do. What's the most important thing? And in about verse 37, he says, well, the most important thing for God is that you love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. But Jesus won't stop there. He's asked for one answer. But you know what he has, adds in verse 39. He says, but, but you've got to know the second one. The second thing that's most important to God. And he says, it's like it. It's, it's, it's just as important to God. And of course, that's where he adds that you love your neighbors yourself. But you see, if those neighbors of ours are included in John 3.16, and God loved them that much that he asked Jesus to come and die for them, It shouldn't surprise us that Jesus said, please understand that loving God isn't all that matters to God. It matters deeply to God that you also love your neighbors, because He does. And that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago, that importance of knowing our neighbors, of loving them. Remember, I handed out this card, and there's more of them back there if you didn't get one, but... It's just a visual way of looking at us in the middle in the red house and asking ourselves, do we even know our neighbors? And not just know them. You know, the, the Minnesota finger wave, I, uh, we all do that real well. And I have a pickup, so it's easier to do. You're higher, you know, and so it's, it's, that's the coolest way to do it, is in a truck. Because then you get that and you drive by. And I've got most of my neighbors. I have two neighbors yet who won't respond. I have got one who's actually starting to look up. And so I'm hopeful that pretty soon that neighbor will start responding. The other one, it's a, lo- it's a bigger challenge. 12 years, no reaction. But I'm still... But you know, one of the things I came to realize as I looked at that card, the first time it was shared with me, I hadn't gone very far in loving my neighbors. Because about 80% of them I couldn't put their names on this card and in the obvious start of loving your neighbors you need to meet them you need to know them and we talked a couple weeks ago about this not just a finger wave that I've sort of well I'm doing my part I finger waved no it's more than that who are they what what are their names what do they do where do they work maybe a little bit of what's going on in their lives. they got some dream they're working on? Are they facing some challenge? Anything going on in their life. Then we're starting to get to know our neighbors. And obviously, that's important. We can't love them if we don't even know them. Now, why do we do this? I understand in sharing that a couple weeks ago and talking about this again today, most of us will react and say, I don't really want to do this, Jim. And I get that. I, believe me, I personally get that. But I want to read a verse, I want us to read a verse, over in 2 Corinthians, where Paul makes a powerful statement about himself, and it speaks to all of us who are Christians. 2 Corinthians 5, I want to start in verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If we are a Christian... If we have understood that love of Christ and not just understood it, but said, I want that love in my life. Jesus, I want you as my Savior, and I want to follow you. Paul says, I can tell you what's going to happen there. Because coming to follow Christ is going to involve you dying and you saying, I'm yours, Jesus. I want you to lead my life. And if we do that, that very love of Christ that changes us is also going to compel us. And I I think that's such a powerful phrase that Paul uses. Christ's love compels us. It's a word for pushing. You know, you get behind somebody and say, come on, you can do this, go, go, go try. Jump in the pool, you can do this. And Paul says he understands Christ's love does that for us. When we understand Christ's love and his death on that cross wasn't just for me. It was also for that neighbor that I'd rather not know. That parent who comes to the ball games and I wish they would just shut up or sit on the other side of the field. Christ loves them. That guy or that woman at work who doesn't do their job very well and depends on me to carry them. Christ loves them all those neighbors, and if I start to understand Christ's love so that I die, I realize this isn't all about me because it wasn't all about Jesus for him. That's why Jesus was willing to leave heaven and let go of his divine privileges and become a servant on earth even to the point of death on a cross. Love compelled Christ. And if that love comes into our hearts, it's going to compel us. And that's why we need to care about those neighbors. And and I I decided I want to be very candid with you. I I started a couple weeks ago. I, I am confessing to you my own struggle with this. I need that compelling love of Christ. It is much more comfortable to stay within my circle of Christian friends. It is much more comfortable to spend all my time with the people who have views like me, look like me, act like me, value things like me. That's fun. And then those other neighbors in the neighborhood, at work, in my circle of friends, on the ball team, caring about them, that's not always fun. And then there is that haunting phrase, Christ's love compels us. And I became convicted. I believe the Holy Spirit convicted me. It's not okay to do nothing. It's not okay to do nothing. And I didn't even know what to do. I read a couple books. I just knew it wasn't okay to do nothing. That love of Christ kept compelling me. I found a, a, a training session for a couple of years to help senior pastors figure out how to help their church care. I signed up for that. I found this card through that. I found what I'm going to share with you today through that. I'm learning some things. Is it easy? Nope. And getting out there, it's not easy, but Christ's love compels us it's not okay to do nothing so what do we do I call it the second question the first question is what we talked about three weeks ago who's my neighbor it's this card it's getting to know our neighbors but once we answer that question the second one immediately comes and that is what do I do If I get to know my neighbor, what do I do? How do I help them? If you've been in church a long time like I have, we've had a pretty traditional answer, isn't it? And that is, well, we get them to come to church. That's the whole goal. Or maybe we preach at them. We tell them what they need to do. The problem that's struck a lot of us as Christians is our culture we live in has changed. We didn't move, but it's like our country moved. The sociologists and all the people who think about it are now saying we live in a post-Christian culture. And what that means in two very clear ways is when I finally meet that neighbor at work and I say, why don't you come to church with me, once they choke in a laughing fit, they're going to say, there ain't no way I'm going to church. I am not interested in your church or any church. And that is becoming more and more a pretty common reaction. And if we do the second thing that we've been raised to do, and that is try and tell them something, we will get that very strong message that, you know, that's good for you. That's your truth. I have my truth. Leave me alone. And probably a lot of us have tried to care, tried to be a neighbor, and got those two reactions. And what do we do? And so what that does is it allows us to go back home and say, this neighbor thing doesn't work. They're not interested. But then there's that thing called Christ love, which compels us and says it's not okay. It's not okay. So what can we do? Well, I want to offer you today what I would call a simple plan, a plan that any of us can do. This is so simple. It's just—it's one of those things. I'm jealous. I didn't think it up. And I didn't. I don't want to take any credit for it. Actually, a preacher named Dave Ferguson at a Christian church in rural or suburban Chicago thought this up at his church. It uses the acronym Bless. And it's very uh, simple. uh, Something that all of us can do to love our neighbor, and to take Jesus seriously that this is the second most important thing to God. And I want to just go through this BLESS acronym real quickly because it's real simple. And the B is begin with prayer. Pray about it. Now, it does a lot of things if we start with prayer. One, it stops us from just doing it in our own power. It stops us from just charging ahead It's something we can do even if I don't know the names of the people in those houses around me or the names of that person two cubicles away. I can still pray for them. We can always pray. Any of us can pray. But prayer reminds us that we're doing this in God's power, not on our own. And we're praying for God to lead and the Spirit to work in us and guide us, but in them as well. And prayer grows our hearts. If you've never tried this, it's magical. Somebody you don't care about, or even more, someone you're angry with, start praying for them. Your whole perspective changes. The person you don't know, start praying for them. Your whole perspective changes. Where before, you really didn't care. They were a stranger. You'll find that you've got to care, because you're praying for them. Prayer is the beginning point because it's the most important point. Begin by praying for those people, for your heart, for God to direct you. It will motivate you. It will direct you. It will involve God. Everything good comes out of that start by praying. Begin by praying. The next thing to do, the L of bless, is listen. Listen. This is very important for us as Christians, especially if we like to talk. Because too often as Christians, we're busy telling. Telling them what they should do. Telling them about us. Telling. But don't do that. Control yourself and listen. Get to know them. What's their story? Who are they? All those just simple things. And then that'll take time. It takes time to just spend with them. You don't want to be a reporter interviewing them. Just start filing things away, and you'll get to know them. And that's very important for what's coming later, but just listen. You know, there's one thing that everybody's an expert in, and that's themselves. And there's one thing anybody can talk about, themselves. Now, you may have to ask them some questions. And you may have to be gentle, but just find out what's going on, and you will. It really is easy to do, but you got to focus on listening and not talking. And that lets them know they're important. It lets them know you're interested in them. And in our culture, where more and more people are busy, when more and more people are just, you get 10 seconds and I'm gone to something else, Someone that actually will pay attention and listen and be interested in who I am. And then the next time you see them, you're able to say, hey, how's that going? I know you told me. And they said, wow, they really did listen to me. They really do care. Listening is one of the greatest things we can give people. Because even in listening, we let them know we are genuinely interested in them. And I'll tell you one of the other magical things that happens through listening. And that is the more we listen, the more we get to know them. And what you'll find is some of the more difficult people in your lives, the ones that are hard to love, as you start to listen and hear their story, you're going to start to say, oh, I understand why they're that way. And you're going to grow in your patience and understanding of them. It will be easier to love them. Because you've listened. It's such a powerful tool, especially in our age, of media and hurry, and we're busy and we're distracted. You know, the, 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 the silly picture of somebody with their phone and they say, oh yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. Well, we know they're not. And we feel like the whole world's doing that. If you'll put your phone down and truly sit and listen to somebody, the power of that will shock you. The second one is listen. The third one oh, is eat. Yeah, That's right, best one. I'm going to expand it to something else, too, but I I like to start with eat. Now, here's something, and you know what? This This won't surprise any of us. We live in a culture where food, eating together, having a cup of coffee together, it just takes our relationship to a whole new level. Somehow about eating together, having a cup of coffee together, we relax. We're going to be able to do a lot more listening. We're going to learn a lot more. We're going to find things in common. It'll help us do the next two steps just by finding time to sit down and have a cup of coffee together or meet for lunch or come on over for dessert. Hey, the rhubarb's ready. We just made rhubarb cobbler. Come on over. We're having rhubarb cobbler and ice cream. Oh, really? Wow. Cool. Okay, I'll be over. Now, I want to add another E. Some of you I know are really healthy. I'm sorry for you. The other E, the other E that you can put in here because it works equally well is experience. Share some experience together. Maybe for you eating doesn't work. Play a game of golf. Go fishing together. Go to a quilting workshop. Scrapbook together. Anything of an experience like that does the same thing. I wouldn't say go to see a movie together. You don't do much talking in a movie But any of those experiences where you're just going to spend some time together, it accomplishes the same thing. It gives you time to listen. It gives you time to talk. It puts everybody more at ease. And you'll find that knowing your neighbor grows. And they start to feel comfortable with you. All of it often changes with the E, eating or some shared experience. And keep going with that. That brings us to the S serve as you listen you're going to find out things in their life and you may find an opportunity to help again this is so important today and while we lament the direction of our world it's actually making this fourth point more powerful now forget today for just a second and go back with me to jesus What was one of the most powerful things Jesus did? He served people. Hungry people, he fed them. Crippled people, he healed them. Outcast people who nobody would talk to, he loved them and had dinner with them. Jesus was constantly looking for the needs of the people. Not what I want to do this for everybody. No, he looked for the needs of the people and he met them where they were and he served them. And it's no wonder that after he had served them and had shown how much he cared that they wanted to listen to him. He had earned that right by serving them. That still applies today. As you get to know your neighbors, you may find opportunities where you're going to have a chance to serve them. And maybe some you won't right away. That's okay. That can be part of your praying. Begin with prayer. Father, show me an opportunity. Open a door for me, Spirit, when I can somehow help my neighbor. Take their trash cans in for them. If they're out, blow their driveway. It doesn't have to be something huge. It can be something little. But you see, again, in our world, it is increasingly saying life is about me and I'm too busy to have time for you because it's all about me and my job and my stuff and what I'm doing, I'm busy. And we're feeling that from everybody and somebody who stops and gives their time to help me, and it's like, okay, what's going on? You know the reaction. What's the catch? What do you want? And that's the fun part because then you can say, no catch. I don't want anything. I just thought this would help. Sometimes it is a crisis. And you can step in in a big way and really serve them. Oftentimes it's in little ways. But that serving, just like the listening, is another way that we go even deeper with them and we show them that we really do care about you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they will start to feel loved as we have listened to them, as we've shared with them, as we've looked for ways to serve them. And that brings us to the final one, and that is story. That you might eventually reach a time when you could share some of your story. Notice where I didn't go first, I'm talking your story. We're going to talk about the other story in a minute, but I didn't jump there. We're not preaching to our neighbors. But as we get to know them, we may have an opportunity to share a little bit of our story. You know, I was there too five years ago when I lost my job. And and we thought we were going to lose everything. We were terrified. And we didn't know what else to do. We prayed. And we were blown away by what happened. This happened and this happened and this happened. Is it okay if I pray for you? I don't mean you pray right there. That might freak them out. But you just, is it okay I pray for you? Rarely, there'll be a few, but rarely will anybody say, don't pray for me. Well, it's okay. And that's okay. It doesn't matter what they think about prayer. You've had a permission. You've told a little bit of your story, and you start praying. But then the other cool thing that that does, it opens the door. When you see him a week later or two days later, you can say, hey, how's that going? I've been praying for you. And maybe their answer is going to be nothing. And that's okay. Because probably part of your story is, you know, I know. I, we're not in control of God. I'll keep praying but it gives you an opportunity to get closer to them. You're serving them by praying them, and you're able to start telling your story. And somewhere in your story, hopefully you may be also able to tell a little bit of Jesus' story. As you've encountered Jesus and what you've seen Him do, and while you watched Him and learned that that says something to me, and it changed me, and I'm better for it. Maybe it'll help you. But you see how different this is? I don't need them to come to church that they don't want to come to. And I'm not preaching at anybody, telling them what to do. I'm telling my story. And how do you argue with my story? You know, we each have our own stories. We can use that for us as well. I have my story. And I can bless people. I can bless the neighbors around me in a very simple way. And it has a power to touch lives, to change lives. It's not quick. I I don't know what it's all going to turn out. I've told you in these sermons, when I was convicted because for my card, other than my physical neighborhood, which I've made a little progress on, I had nobody else in my card that wasn't a Christian, partially because I'm a pastor, but partially I've been raised as a Christian. I was convicted of that. I felt like that's not okay. And I went and found two clubs that match my hobbies, interests in any way, shape, or form, and I went and joined them. And I want to tell you right now, it's been the most fascinating thing for me because I'm walking into these clubs now. Because I am compelled by Christ to care about a neighbor. And all I can tell you is it changes your perspective when you walk into the club. Now it's not just about the fun we're having. It's intentionally trying to get to know names. And it's intentionally trying to get to know them. And you start picking up stuff. And you hear from their comments and you can know right away, ooh, things aren't good at home there and you start to learn things. And that helps you pray, and it just takes time, and you're not in control. I'm not in control, but Spirit, use me. You've, you've directed me to come out here, get out of the salt shaker with all the other salt. I just want you to use me. I don't know how. Just show me. Use me. And it is an entirely different experience. It's stretching. I'm trusting the spirit to come through with what he's promised. And that in some way he'll use me. And unfortunately I have a burden you don't have and that is that I am a pastor. And I'm not lying but I'm also not advertising it. And of course one of the first club meetings here's one of the guys and this question I was dreading. What do you do? I'm a pastor. (laughs) No I said yeah I'm a pastor at this church. And this one guy instantly, well, he wouldn't do a cross, but you could just say, you could physically see him back up, and you knew he wanted nothing to do with me or the church or Christianity, and I didn't, but he's become one of my challenges. And so, before I would have avoided him, I knew he didn't want me. didn't like me so avoid him no Christ's love compels us so he will talk about model trains and so I've had a lot of questions about model trains and at least once every time we're together I make sure I have a question about model trains and he's at least stopped backing up when I walk towards him and you can see him slowly Deciding maybe I'm okay. That's all I can do. But I can do that. And you can do that. We can bless people. When we understand that Christ's love compels us. Not because it feels good. Not because it's easy. But because he died on the cross for them too. And he says to us, the second most important thing from my and the Father's perspective is that you will love your neighbors like we have loved them. Will you go bless them? And that's what I'd like to ask you today. Will you bless them? Will you start a bless list of the people you're trying to bless? The people you're praying for, the people you want to love, those neighbors, will you start blessing them? I ask Carrie to delay communion until the end of our service today because I want us to hold that bread and hold that cup, those physical symbols of how much God cares. And what Christ was willing to do to bless all people. Including my neighbor, your neighbor. And it's that love that compels us to say it's not okay to do nothing. I have to try. I have to try and love my neighbor. I have to try and bless them. And I promise you if you will do that much. God's Spirit that could raise Christ from the dead will not waste your efforts. He will use you to be a blessing. And so we're going to take communion today. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a song and then we're going to serve communion. But as you take that communion, would that be your focus today? Of what Christ was willing to suffer to bless you? And now that love, he asks us that it would push us to love others. Let's pray. Christ, thank you for your sacrifice for us. For what you were willing to endure to show your love to us, prove your love to us as we take this bread that symbolizes your broken body and this juice that is a symbol of your blood that was shed on the cross for us. Father, may that love impress upon our hearts our need to also be a blessing to those around us. May your love compel us.